Ogumbawale for the win. Welcome to Lockdown Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard McDowell, reminding you you can follow us on Twitter at LockdownWBB, where you can hear great, insightful stories about the world of women's basketball from me, from my colleagues, people like Erica Ayala, Dave Ibrahim, Amy Alderberg, every single day. Make sure you are following us. Rate, subscribe, review. You know the drill. Make sure you're following in every way possible. Lockdown WBB. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Are we ready for some football? Some of us are. College football, bowl season, the NFL, AFC and NFC Championship. Go to betonline.ag and you can sign up today for a free account. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. That's LOCKEDON, all caps, for your 50% welcome bonus. I'm here today and my heart is heavy because, as many of you know, I cover not just women's basketball, but I cover baseball as well. And Hank Aaron, a legend for all time, is gone. Hank Aaron, the longtime home run record holder, 755 home runs, that obscures the kind of player he was. He was a home run champion who never hit 50 in a year. He was simply great at every facet of the game, hitting for average, he was an elite base runner, terrific defensive player. There's an argument to be made that Hank Aaron's the best player ever, but I'm not here at Locked On Baseball, so why am I talking to you about Hank Aaron? Well, Hank Aaron is a legend today. He's somebody we revere. He's somebody that the institutions have talked about as somebody valued. But that's now. That wasn't at the time. At the time, Bowie Kuhn, then the commissioner of baseball, didn't even bother showing up when Hank Aaron hit number 715. Bowie Kuhn went to a Cleveland baseball team booster event instead of being there. Hank Aaron faced death threats. Hank Aaron faced untold obstacles as a black man trying to break a record in baseball. And I raise that because it matters here in America, not just that we value our heroes after the fact, that we lift and respect and elevate people of color, women of color, after it's over, after the race has been run, but that we do it in real time. And it's been on my mind a lot this week. And it started on Monday, on Martin Luther King Day. I read a tweet by Bernice King talking about, let's not forget that my father was not beloved in his time, that he was viewed as an enemy of the people by powerful members of the establishment. And so it really resonated with me that Asia Wilson received a statue at the University of South Carolina not just that Asia Wilson received a statue, but that it happened at age 24. She's 24 years old. And this is not a criticism. Asia Wilson deserves a statue. Asia Wilson, 
a South Carolina native, made the decision to join forces with Dawn Staley, and they went and built a program for women's basketball in South Carolina that will live on. What they did matters, whether it is a power for decades to come, long after Dawn Staley has moved on, or whether it's just a chapter the way Immaculata is in the history of women's basketball. It was a stepping stone to where the sport is going. And so to see that happen in real time mattered a lot to me. So I'm going to turn over the bulk of this program to conversation I had with a handful of other media members with Dawn Staley this week. Because Dawn Staley, she's been the first, and you can end that sentence, over and over again with different things she's done as a player, as a coach, as a human being, as a leader in a deep South Confederacy state. It matters that we hold up, that we elevate our heroes, that we elevate the people doing the work to make this country better as it's happening. I have colleagues who, when Pat Summit died, expressed disappointment that they hadn't gone to cover her. I get that. I understand that. But there's Cheryl Reeve right over there. There's Dawn Staley right over there. There's Tara Vanderveer right over there. They're doing it every day in real time. There'll be statues of them. My children will take their children to the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame, to the Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, too, and see and read and hear about them. But they're here now. Necco Gloomcase here now. She's the WNBPA president right at this moment. And so maybe this country, a country that just elevated a woman of color to vice president of the United States, who let us hear from an amazing poet laureate, and built a statue in the heart of the Confederacy for Asia Wilson. Maybe this country's ready to embrace our heroes the great women, disproportionately women of color, doing the work in the WNBA. I sure hope so. I'm going to keep doing it. I know you all are too. Let's listen to what Dawn had to say. Ms. Howard Magdal, Lockdown Women's Basketball. Hey, Dawn, thanks for doing this. Um, just uh, looking at it, it's not that she had played badly to start the season, but what have you seen from Aaliyah in these past two games that have really seen her ratchet her game up? Um, I mean, I, I think she's just she's settling down and taking what the defense gives her. Uh, I mean, she's doing a lot of facilitating. Um, so she's getting people to kind of forget about her a little bit. Um, we've had to play her out on the perimeter a little bit more. Um, but then when we slide her down, um, she's not maybe as an easy target to um, smother her, her, her space. Um, so I think it's, you know, it, it was good to have her go through it, you know, and 
I'm sure she'll go through it again at, at some point um, throughout her career. Uh, but it's it's pretty cool to have her playing at, at the level that she's playing. Thanks. Hi, Dawn. Good to chat with you. Um, I have a little bit of a bigger picture question for you. I, it's it's hard not to think in a week in which Asia is given a statue and Kamala Harris is elevated to vice president of the United States that this country may be getting better at what it has long failed to do, and that is to elevate and celebrate women of color, not just at all, but in real time. I'm wondering whether you think whether you think that we as a country are getting better at that and whether you take any sort of larger trend from seeing these two events in the same weekend. Um, are we getting better? <laughs> I, I'm going to say yes in, in hopes that it continues to do trend in that way. Um, I, we can also look at the SEC and see how many uh, black coaches are, you know, in our conference. Um, there are, there's movement, there's movement, um, but I'm, I'm on, I'm on this side of it. If you, if you look at Kamala's viewpoint, um, she's the first, uh, if you look at, um, you know, some other, uh, political seats is, is getting better. Um, so I guess overall, yes, it, it's getting better. I hope it continues to trend. I know it will from a political standpoint because, because of what, what black voters did and not only the, you know, presidential election, but also, you know, the Senate races. And I think it's pretty cool that, um, black people decided that they wanted to utilize their voice, um, uh, through, through voting and, and create change. Um, so that's a big change as well. So if we have that, I think we're, we're trending in the right direction. Um, so if you look at from, look at it from that vantage point, if you look at it from other people's, um, there were probably the you know poorest decisions on earth to, to have these people in these places and to, to bestow Asia Wilson with the statue to have uh, Kamala um, as our vice president. That's where the growth needs to take place. I think we all can identify um, those you know what, what's taking place. It is you know the the backlash that. That, that people have um, for 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 those things that are happening in our country and in our sport. Coach, going off of that, what was it like for you to watch today's inauguration, especially watching Kamala get sworn in and also to be sworn in by Justice uh, Sotomayor? Um, I mean, it, it, it's really it's it's really a an exhale, like you know you. You're, you're proud. Um, I mean, you're, you're proud for a lot of reasons. I'm, I'm proud that she's a black woman that is doing something that has never been historical, that's never been done before. I'm proud because it, it, it looks different. Um, I'm proud uh, because, um, you know, our president, Joe Biden, decided to do something different that, that you know, nobody's ever done before and when. And, and you know, it's a direct um, difference from, you know, what we, what we've seen over, over the decades, not just the past four years. And I know people are going to say, Oh, you know, don't get political. I mean, I'm answering a political question. Um, you know, I'm, I'm political because politics 
has a direct um, um, impact on my life, you know, no matter how you want to look at it. So, um, and I think I'm especially aware of what's taking place over the past four years, and I, I think it's time for something different. And if you heard, you know, President Biden's speech today, um, it wasn't a speech, a one-sided speech. It was a speech for for all people, all people, and that's all all people, you know, want to feel like they're part of, you know, what makes up uh, our country and what makes our country great. Now, I'm going to go back to Howard on this similar topic as well. I do. Thanks, Diana. It's, I guess if you could just, you and Asia were the first over and over again, all these different ways. In South Carolina, you had a life of firsts. And I guess I'm wondering if you can cast light on what that means, what that feels like, the responsibility that comes along with it, and how often you think about what you've done and, again, what you and Asia did together in those terms. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't reflect on it. I, I more think about what Asia's done, uh, you know, because her story is a little bit different in that um, she chose to come into a to a, to a place in which she knew um, that there was a tremendous amount of pressure on her um, to to do well um, to 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 you know and it was it wasn't easy she made it seem easy but it wasn't behind closed doors it wasn't easy because she couldn't you know she couldn't go to the mall she couldn't go to restaurants she couldn't you know she couldn't have a bad day. Like out publicly, she couldn't have a bad day. She had to put on that face of of the one that we, you know, we we know and love all the time. And she had a difficult time with that because sometimes she just wanted to be a person that wanted to go to you know Foot Locker, pick up a pair of sneakers, and, and, and go leave from the mall. But you know, when she goes, she's got to take pictures. She's got to do all of that. So I think it's it's pretty cool for her to do that. Um, when you asked me though to, to, to kind of reflect on what it is to be the first, um, I, I have to reflect on the opportunity that I, that I received to come here to South Carolina. And I didn't know what that would look like. You know, I didn't, you know, I didn't make this decision based on being the first black, you know, female head coach here. Um, it, it had nothing to do with race. It had nothing to do with color. It had nothing to do with, Anything besides the innocence of playing basketball and um, creating a, you know, a, a national powerhouse here in South Carolina. I, I did not know what that would look like. I did know, not know what the fans would look like. I didn't know how I would be received, but I didn't care, you know. And sometimes you have to go into things not caring because you could be prepared for something that will never, will never happen. I, I am a, a just-in-case type of person. Um, but I'm also a person that can handle whatever's thrown at me in a, you know, in a way that is respectful, in a way that, you know, I, I looked at, um, uh, Leticia, Leticia's, uh, one of her text posts today, tweet posts that she, she posted and she, she talked about, you know, treating your neighbor like you would want to be treated. And I think what we've done here in South Carolina is do just that. We, we treat people how we would want to be treated. And in return, they've turned us into an incredible place to, to play, an cre- incredible atmosphere for our student-athletes to experience. Um, and then for me and, and my family, an incredible place to, 
you know, to grow old, to be, to be quite honest. I mean, it's, you know, it is, it is that. And, and I hope that while we're speaking on it, I hope that, you know, Madam Vice President Harris will be able to, to do that for our country. Because when you give black women an opportunity, and I can speak from my own experience, um, we tend to be able to pivot and do well with the opportunity that we've been given. You know, you, you mentioned Letitia's tweet. I was actually kind of curious. It seems like the players have been on social media a lot this year. I guess what what is your decision to you know let them have that? What made you think that they were you know ready for that? Because that's not something you've typically done. Yeah, you know, some of my former players they are like, what what's going on? Um, and I, you know, I just these players have displayed a you know a a mature way of of using social media. Uh, I mean, we got players who have a lot, a lot more basketball that's going on that, you know, that allows them to, you know, broaden their, you know, their, their brand. Cause we did talk a lot about branding. Um, and we're trying to get ahead of, you know, what, what may take place with, um, the name, image, and likeness. And, you know, before you strip someone of, 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 utilizing their, you know, social media and the First Amendment, right, all of that stuff plays a part in making decisions, I, you know, and, and those are conversations that we still, we, we do have to have. They are mature, but there are some that, you know, will post something that we'll have to say, hey, you might want to take a look at that, because here's what, you know, here's what the other side of your post can um, have a different meaning. So, I mean, it's good to kind of them as responsible as possible while allowing them to enjoy being young and in that part of their lifestyle. I'm just going to stick on and, and finish it out on this note. Um, yeah, obviously, you talked about the SEC. Um, did you imagine in 2021 that uh, we would have this many black women coaches in SEC women's basketball? Obviously, you look at the sport, it is predominantly African-American women. Um, but to see it in the SEC, um, are you surprised by this? Are you? What is your reaction to, to actually seeing it out um, as the season goes along? I'm, I'm completely surprised by it, to be quite honest, because no, no other conference in the country looks like the SEC. Um, but I think here's, what's taken, here's what has taken place. I, I think um, my success has something to do with it, and I don't mean that in a – narcissist way um, I, I don't by any means but I'm reflecting I've been here this is my thir- 13th year I believe Nikki Caldwell Vargas um, has had a huge amount of success in, in our league and then just to, just to follow up on everybody else that has been hired after us um, it, it goes to show that if given the opportunity um, you know black women can be successful and I, I saying that excluding white coaches at all. It's just um, we're doing something in the SEC that that's historical, that's never been done before and you know, there should be a light, a bright light um, shed on that um, because it's a beautiful thing. It's, you know, why shouldn't it be that way? Why shouldn't, you know, back when we get the same opportunities as, you know, anybody else in the country? Men get it, you know, white men get it in our game. Um, not a whole lot of black men get it in our game. 
and 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 hopefully that changes when people just um, get opportunities not from the you know from the color of their skin if they're black you know because we we've been in this game long enough to know that you know the, the color of your skin matters when it when it comes to hiring. Um, I hope that we are setting the example for other conferences um, to get like us um, because it, there's a need for for black women to coach black women. There's a need for that for that and being in the world that we're in because if you're not a a black woman coaching um, predominantly black women. You only know how you view the world. And that's not, it's not to say it's, it's wrong. It's just different. It's different. I know that some of the things that our players are going to go through, just the majority of our players, will be from a, a black woman's viewpoint. And how you navigate through that. It's very different than a white woman. And that's, and, and that's not creating separation. That's, that's just fact. That's just the way it is. So, I will know how if one of my players will will get into coaching all the the hurdles that they'll have to cross in order for them to be successful or to watch out for. Um, so I mean, it's you're asking questions. I'm giving you my, you know, what I've been saying for years. Um, but it it is that doesn't mean that people can't be successful. No, it's not. It's not saying that at, at all. We just want more, you know, more black women to get um, opportunities because other people are getting it. Alright, last question to Dana. Gone, is everybody good to go for the game tomorrow night? <laughs> okay. Everybody's good to go. Everybody's good to go. And I, we apologize. You know, practice took a little bit longer, you know. Having just one day um, and have to decompress from Arkansas, and they get ready, turn the page, and get ready for for Georgia. It took a little bit longer than we anticipated. Thank you all. See you tomorrow, Don. Thank you both.